Thank you so much, and thank you so much for uh, coming to this press conference. After we held yesterday in the European Parliament in Brussels, the third edition of the International COVID Summit, we had tens of doctors, of experts, of researchers, uh, truly professionals who were analyzing uh, and dealing with the coronavirus for many years and who presented us yesterday their findings and conclusions after the pandemic that we witnessed uh, in the past three years. Uh, we have here some of the doctors that uh, presented their findings yesterday. I would like to give the floor now to Dr. Malone uh, to share with us uh, some of the conclusions of yesterday's uh, event. Doctor. Thank you very much. I don't have any prepared remarks. I would like to acknowledge the courageous MPs that have enabled this opportunity and thank them on behalf of the International COVID Summit Group. This is our third International COVID Summit meeting. Uh, first one was in Rome in the Senate by invitation. The second one was in Marseille and Massy uh, in France. And now uh, it's been our great pleasure to be able to share our observations and conclusions uh, here in Belgium. I would like to in particular emphasize one of the key findings that ran all the way through the presentations, which is that in fact there are people who are vaccine injured. This is something that has been suppressed by um, all channels of, uh, forgive me, corporate media and governments that there are these individuals who are in fact vaccine damaged and they have not been allowed to speak. They have uh, had their experiences suppressed. They have been uh, demeaned. They have been gaslit and they are damaged. And uh, they are damaged in large part consequent to the uh, rush of this uh, product without adequate testing. This was also very well demonstrated during the meeting yesterday that the regulatory affairs uh, rules and regulations that have guided the European medicines agencies and the FDA and agencies all over the world have been very actively uh, bypassed and unfortunately there have been consequences that what we learn is that the wisdom of having these norms and practices to ensure the safety and effectiveness of products before they're deployed into humans have good reason to be used. Uh, that they do provide benefit to the population and to uh, humanity by ensuring that the activities of the pharmaceutical industry, whether well-intentioned or uh, otherwise, um, are properly controlled to ensure the safety and effectiveness of the products in the population. And I now ask for uh, Europe and the European Parliament to please consider that these individuals who have been subjected to so much, they've not only been damaged by the mandated products and the uh, vaccine passport requirements, etc., in order to just engage in their daily activities, to be employed, etc., or in lieu of, of not being vaccinated, they've, been, they've lost their jobs, they've lost their livelihoods. Uh, we, I strongly encourage that we acknowledge these individuals. We work together and that the uh, European Union might provide leadership in 
in helping to uh, discover and identify potential treatments and therapies so that they can be made whole and that they be compensated for the damages that they've incurred as a consequence of the policies that have been implemented throughout the EU, the United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and across the world. So that's my plea. The, the conference uh, was, in my opinion, a great success. Um, again, in large part thanks to the willingness of the MPs who have been so courageous in enabling this meeting. And it, it truly covered a, a comprehensive scientific scope. We had a clear demonstration that the European Parliament and the European Union was warned that if there was allowance for uh, um, patenting of genetic, uh, genetically modified organisms and allowance for gain-of-function research, there might well be consequences. And unfortunately, we have seen these consequences now over the last three years. We also learned of uh, the damages that have been associated not just with the virus itself, which the evidence indicates was in fact not of natural origin, but uh, also from many of the interventions, and in particular the public policies having to do with lockdowns, the deleterious effects of mask mandates on children, um, all the way through the legal implications and looking forward to the international health regulations that are being so actively promoted under the logic that the World Health Organization, which in our opinion, I think most of my colleagues would agree has been an abysmal failure in managing this outbreak, is now asking for more capital, more power, more control, and more authority, and to really breach the sovereignty of individuals throughout the European Union and the United States and the rest of the world. And I, I strongly suggest, as do my colleagues that uh, present on this topic, that uh, the members of the European Parliament uh, closely scrutinize the proposed international health regulations, much as the African nations did when they came up for debate previously, and take a wary, skeptical, experienced eye, remembering that even good intentions will often go awry, and uh, policies and procedures which seem logical can at times be used for other purposes. So I thank you for your time, uh, for the opportunity to speak here, and uh, I hope you will take back to your constituencies the message that the vaccine damaged do exist and they need to be cared for. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Molon. Christine? Yeah, good morning. Um, thank you for being here. I would just like to reflect on yesterday's uh, conference, and I really have to say I thank each and every one of the presenters, of the scientists, of the doctors, to uh, yeah appear in front of us and to show, give the arguments, present the data, present the facts, um, because in the end, we were pretty much right about everything. Just thinking back uh, when we started two years ago, I didn't know any one of these wonderful people, how far we have come. Um, we have grown into a family. It's a family of dissenting voices all around the globe. And I'm particularly grateful that I have been made 
uh, a part, a member of this family that I'm very proud of. And like I said, wonderful people. And we will continue to be the dissenting voice. And we will do whatever it takes to bring down the globalitarian elites. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Christine. Ivan. Thank you very much, dear colleagues. I am very happy and proud that we uh, managed to organize uh, the third International COVID Summit. Uh, we have heard some wonderful uh, science uh, research and testimonies yesterday, and uh, it is amazing to uh, have it all in one place. Uh, I must say that um, there is political will in Europe, there is political will in this parliament, and also in national parliaments that wants to make things right and that wants to make great standards for the future. We will send the conclusions each of every uh, professor, doctor, um, to the EMA agency, to the commission, to our COVID committee, and we will demand that they take these findings into, their, into account. If they refuse to do that, we will hammer them with the scientific data. Thank you. Thank you so much. And. Uh, as Dr. Molo mentioned, and uh, my colleagues, uh, for us in the European Parliament, uh, we took the lead, I would say, in October of 2021 with my colleagues here to, uh, first of all, raise concerns. We were not aware initially about the gravity and the complexity of the issue, but I'm glad that after our fight here, you know, we got to this point where we were able to bring so many experts and uh, researchers professors and doctors to share their, their uh, findings with us. And I would like to give the floor now to my colleague, uh, Mr. Kolakusic from Croatia. Thank you. I would like to give the floor now to my colleague, uh, Mr. Kolakusic from Croatia. Thank you. I would like uh, shortly to uh, there are people from upcoming uh, danger for humanity. The World Health Organization wants all countries to sign agreements on handing over the authority to declare a pandemic, procure vaccine and drugs. It will be healthier and safer for humanity to sign agreement with the Colombian drug cartel. They know all about the drugs for sure. During the COVID pandemic, World Health Organization only told lies about all things. It should be declared a terroristic organization. And their lives and health of billions of people is putting in their hands its extremely danger. They lie that is a new and no an unknown virus that is possible to make an effective vaccine, that the vaccine is 82% effective, that it protects against serious illness and deaths, that all, of course, were foolish and lies. Today, World Health Organization is more dangerous organization for humanity than World Economic Forum. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, some asked us why it's us from Eastern Europe, the one who took the lead, I would say, in exposing and fighting the abuses that happened during the pandemic. And I answered them and I said, the reason why we did it, and we have two MEPs from Croatia, I'm from Romania, Christine was born in, Eastern, in East Germany, is because we are, I would say, young enough to remember how it was to live in a totalitarian regime, in a communist system.
and uh, be, because we've been there, leave that. It's our duty right now to tell the world that we have to fight for freedom, we have to fight for liberty, and nevertheless, we have to fight for truth. And what we've done, what we've done yesterday here is to allow every expert, every doctor, every professor to present to us and to the world uh, the findings after their uh, professional research, I would say. And it's important for us as MEPs and as elected officials, regardless of the office that we are holding, to listen to real experts. Because unfortunately, for all these years, we heard more from bureaucrats, we heard more from NGOs who do not have any expertise in this field, but we barely heard anything from real experts like Dr. Malone and all the others who uh, presented uh, their findings to us uh, yesterday. And since I mentioned Eastern Europe, I'm here with uh, my friend from Romania, George Simeon. He's a member of the Romanian parliament, and we agreed yesterday to host the fourth edition of the International COVID Summit in the Romanian parliament in Bucharest in the fall of 2024. Thank you, uh, of 2023, sorry, <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you so much for being here. If there are any questions uh, from the media, we will happily answer them. No. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, press the button, please. This one? Yes, and sorry if you address the, answer, the, the question to any of us. I would love to address my question to you, Christian Terrace. Um, how will you prevent the World Health Organization, like how will you prevent the EU to take part and the national states to take part in the new treaty from the World Health Organization? Thank you. Uh, first of all, that treaty will have to be ratified by these guys in the national parliaments. So it will be very important for you in every EU member state to make sure that you call on your elected officials in your national parliament to make sure that they will not ratify that treaty. And then the treaty will come to us in the, in the European Parliament, you know, to deal with it here. But the fight starts at the national level, which is why I'm calling on all of you to be involved at the national level. Make sure you petition your elected officials in the national parliament to stop this before it's uh, becoming uh, a recognized treaty in the European, in the international law. Any other questions? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm sure you're aware of also the international health regulation that can go much faster than you know signing a new treaty while these uh, amendments just need to be changed and adopted by a few without even telling you know the whole world something some sort of similar coup perhaps not to the same extent but is happening so is there also some uh, uh attention on this matter because this is this is next month also Yes, we had a conference in the European Parliament in Strasbourg, uh, I think it was last week, if I'm not mistaken, two weeks ago, with one of our colleagues, Virginie Joron, from, from, uh, from France, who was able to bring together a lot of uh, legal experts from different EU countries who told us about, about this problem. The, the challenge here is to raise awareness about what is prepared to all of us, but I'm restating what I earlier said. It's important for you to get in touch with these guys at the national level, because that's where every treaty has to be ratified. Our national parliaments will have to pass a law in order to ratify this treaty or convention. That's how things are done. So 
we do everything we can here. We, we want to give a platform, the opportunity. I mean, what was done yesterday with the International Coffee Summit, is a, it was unseen in this, in this building in, in years. But the fight starts at the national level because at the end of the day, we are all uh, sovereign nations and we, we, de we have to defend our sovereignty at and from the national level which is why I'm restating, you know, get in touch with the elected officials in the national parliament and make sure you raise awareness about, uh, about this, uh, this problem. Thank you. Yes. Sorry. It's very important who you send in your national parliaments. In Romania, uh, we are the second largest party right now, but uh, with only 10% representatives in the parliament, we managed to stop the Green Pass. In Romania, uh, lower than 40% uh, vaccinated uh, uh, COVID-19 vaccines uh, happened. So it's important to find political parties that fight against these plans and send them to the national parliaments and to the European Parliament after May 2024. If we don't do this, they will manage to uh, make uh, similar coups. Thank you. And uh, thanks the kind doctors for their particip uh, for the, their participant and uh, we are waiting you in Bucharest. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Hello, my name is Marianne. And first of all, I uh, want to express my gratitude for these people uh, in front of us here for their pristine work uh, that they brought to us uh, for us to understand uh, the way of this SARS-CoV uh, virus. Second, uh, I will be very happy to see you again in uh, Bucharest on the next uh, summit, COVID summit, international COVID summit. And uh, one of my question is, what will be next now? What is coming next? We know about the COVID, we know about the SARS. You did, like I said, a pristine work showing us and how it works and how it, uh, how it has been released to the world and so on. What is the next step? Are we fighting against the, the virus itself or against the, the people that released it? or I don't know how to, I, I hope you understand uh, what I mean. What is the next, uh, the next step? Thing. Yeah, I would, like to, I, I would like to answer that. Um, you are in, indeed right. Uh, COVID was just, you know, like I said yesterday, a test balloon. And uh, the lessons they learned from this, uh, namely, how did they fail and where did they fail to get the people to just do what they were told to, you know, uh, comply. Um, and they will take this to the next level. So we're talking, of course, about uh, digital ID. and It's in preparation. We're already talking about this. Um, the Parliament circumvented itself pretty much by taking uh, with a large majority of vote to not even involve parliament uh, it goes directly behind closed doors uh, to negotiate the digital ID um, the next thing we will be seeing is of course um, CBCD uh, the uh, state digital state currency um, that will be the ultimate blow to uh, de depriving us of all of our freedom uh, and privacy and uh, yeah and of course these uh, 15 
minute ghettos that I already talked about yesterday. Um, these are the next steps. And uh, I, once again, I want to make it clear, we're not talking about some future projects 40, 50 years down the line. We are talking about as in right now that they're working on. And once again, we need the people on our side on this to fight this, to raise awareness and to let their government, especially the national governments know they will not deal with that and they will not accept this. That's what we need the people for. Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Herman Kelly. I'm uh, Director of Communications for uh, Mr. Therese. I'd like to ask uh, Dr. Byron Bridal to give us his thoughts on the conference yesterday, please, and we'll conclude with that. Thank you very much. My name is Herman Kelly. I'm uh, Director of Communications for uh, Mr. Therese. I'd like to ask uh, Dr. Byron Bridal to give us his thoughts on the conference yesterday, please, and we'll conclude with that. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, my name is Dr. Byron Bridal. I'm a viral immunologist at a university in Canada. And first, I just want to address the question that was just asked. So from a scientific perspective, what I can tell you is um, after this conference, from my experience of the past two years, inevitably, everybody who spoke yesterday will be accused of having disseminated misinformation. I wanted to point out that what I saw yesterday was an awful lot of primary data presented. Um, and when people are accusing us of disseminating misinformation, they never address the primary data that we have presented, nor do they provide primary data to demonstrate that what we have said is incorrect. So in terms of the future, when it comes to science, misinformation is something that we have to be very concerned about. Uh, and this, we need, the, we need the press to help scientists around the world and physicians around the world in this area because if, if you aren't aware, there's talks in pretty much every country around the world about the potential to criminalize misinformation, fine scientists and physicians, fire scientists and physicians if they provide misinformation. This has to be a concern to the media because you have to start asking yourselves, if that's the case, who are going to be the arbiters of truth if it's not going to be scientists who provide primary data? So that's the key thing you have to watch out for. The other thing is, is if you are not aware, the mRNA vaccines that were rolled out over the past couple of years, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are the same companies are developing mRNA vaccines for other diseases. And you may not be aware, there is an enormous number of mRNA vaccines being developed for veterinary use. And that in of itself is also a concern, a concern to, potential concern to human health. We have, so for example, we know that the mRNA vaccines can get into human breast milk and, and, that, and therefore we have infants who are consuming undefined doses of these mRNA vaccines. These were never approved for that uh, route of administration nor to be administered to infants. And yet we now know that is happening. And if it could get into human breast milk, who's to say that they couldn't get into uh, the milk, uh, meat, and eggs that we consume. So I'm telling you, based on what I saw yesterday, there needs to be an immediate moratorium on mRNA vaccine technology until the very many legitimate scientific questions that have come up about this technology over the last two years can be definitively answered. And I'd just like to end with, with this. Uh, the thing I most appreciated about uh, my experience yesterday was the fact that these 
uh, MEPs here. These are heroes to me, and, and you should not only be proud of them here in Europe, but these are political leaders around the world, I can tell you. So the country that I come from does not allow open discussion about the science underpinning COVID-19. But what was allowed yesterday was uncensored, open and honest discussion of the hard objective data underpinning COVID-19 policies. And I would like to thank these MEPs for allowing us to do that. Thank you.